And we're still figuring out what that's what that kind of drama yeah, is. Yeah, there's not like, like a proper be, intro it, and stuff. Yeah, so. I know. Like we haven't got we haven't got that yet, and we need to figure that. Like we need to do that. We need that's that. right. Then we can just like, you know, as you say, talk. I mean, yeah, I, no, no. We're just, we're I mean, just, I, I, I look at I was listening to Masters of Scale with Reed Hoffman on the way in, and I was like, well, that's what we have to aim for. Like we. Oh, like, he's the but he does like a the like. Top notch. I know he's got a full production company to make the sexiest podcast in the world. Yeah, <laughs> you feel like you're transported into another world. It's amazing. But he's like a he's a billionaire, well, so he obviously is. he's not gonna fuck around with you know <laughs> poor quality stuff. So much like, production value, yeah. I guess, pumped into it. Yeah. All right, so uh, when you're ready, we'll get started. All good. Yeah, yeah all good. All right, cool. Welcome back. Listeners, if you if you manage to come back, this is episode two of season two of the Lemon Podcast. It's my name. My my name is Christian, and I'm here with Jesse. Jesse, how are you? How are you, Christian? I'm very well, mate. Very well. What's what good? the hell are we doing here? Uh, we we can manage to convince somebody else. Our good friend Fed, how are you? I'm all good, thanks. How are welcome, you? Welcome, welcome to the show. Oh, welcome to my building. <laughs> uh, very generous with your time. Um, basically. Uh, what we're hoping you could do is be our logistician in residence and be, you know, paint the picture of, okay, a lot of people, maybe they don't understand who it takes to be a logistician or what's involved or it's some old guy that doesn't know he's out of touch with the world or it's a truck driver or it's someone picking boxes. We want, we want to paint a picture of this. There's more to logistics than just the stereotypes, right? So uh, we, we've asked you to be our logistician in residence. We'd love to catch up with you now and in the future and see how you've gotten. But uh, if you just tell us about yourself, who, who you are, and how you got into logistics? Like, what made you interested in logistics? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. So, uh, first of all, I'm neither of any of those stereotypes that you've mentioned. Um, I mean, there are a very important part of the logistics ecosystem, but there's again, as you said, there's more to it than just that. Yeah. So, um, I'm Frederick. I am trained as an industrial engineer um, in uni. So, one what got me into logistics is like. It's one of the aspects of operations management. Yeah. So we have this um, subject on operations management that's all about efficiency, warehouse, transport, logistics, um, purchasing, you know, all of that. So, so all from, of the all of the things that is happening in a business. Yeah. So like from a from an operational engineering yeah. perspective. An operational engineering like mathematical statistical right, kind of right. Which is a huge part of like modern logistics. Like yeah. it's, there's so much data now. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's more and more of the process. So we, we ran the whole gamut of what it takes to run a company, basically, from an operation side. Whether it's from... You so know, this is your first job? Yeah, um, it is. Um, uh, it is what got me to is like, it's one of those um, right. kind of like topics. And then I right, just, right, right. Uh, my first job, like straight out of uni was at a port yeah. uh, in Manila. Oh, awesome. Uh, that's where like, I really got my first deep dive into logistics mm-hmm. and what it really meant. And also, that's the job that kind of sold me into um, the space. It's like one, it, it is one of those jobs where there has to be someone running it 24-7. doesn't matter if it's like you know Christmas or like New Year's Eve. There has to be someone on in the, the boat. In the port. Yeah, yep. on the boat or on the port. Moving stuff. Yeah. So it's a nonstop grind. That's how I realized that you know it is as important as, for example, um, being a doctor in a hospital or being like 
you know, a radio show or a media person yeah. covering stuff on New Year's Eve. Yeah, but this is this is a really interesting insight that you're that you're making because I think people can empathize with with doctors and and people who are working with humans on a on a daily basis and actually doing performing roles that society. Um, considers incredibly important and very honourable, right? But you made a very interesting point there that it wasn't until you worked mm. in your first job that you saw that this was a human game, yeah. right? Logistics is a, human, is a game. human game, right? And that, I think, is something which potentially, you know, we're talking about how the hell are we making logistics cool? We're just talking shit, right? But um, if oh, we're, we're making it cool with ma- other people. Absolutely. Um, but... For people, for, for the industry in general, right, and for the next generation of people to actually want to move into this industry and, and look at it and go, hang on, yeah, like you said, but it is actually just as cool um, to be working in the environment that you're working in because of the impact that you can have compared to holding, you know, a scalpel and performing surgery or whatever they use. Oh, where did the scalpel come from? It had to be manufactured somewhere, probably in you know, either Switzerland or actually, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> Someone actually Stop delivered right it. But someone, <laughs> someone manufactured it and delivered it to the to And it went the through Fed's port. Watch. Yeah. yeah, well, that's back in the day. This is years ago, so it's not bad. <laughs> it's not like we're in Manila. Yeah, but, you know, but can, we, we, can we do an episode in Manila? If someone empty. sponsors it, yes, absolutely. Yeah, but we have, like, you know, people right now who may be listening to us, you know, who are, um, you know, um, in those in those boats in Maybe the middle of the sea like nowhere who knows she's a have good like, wi-fi out there like yeah, yeah. or <laughs> people uh, yeah, you know in the ports or like on the road and the truck delivering and last minute stuff maybe one of them is rich enough to sponsor us to go and, do, and interview <laughs> these people in person this is perfect synergy i love it sorry uh no we've gotten completely off topic so you're in manila you're in the port you see people are the focus of logistics which is which is fantastic because mm-hmm. that's something we try and sort of subtly play out which you got all these processes, all these technologies, everyone's, you know, crapping on about AI and blockchain. All the buzzwords. All the buzzwords it's, you could think of. still a people game. It's still a people game. Well, I think, you know, I'm on this, like, you know, school of thought that technology should just serve to, like, assist and make the human experience better. I 100% agree. It, it is not, like, a substitute, but more of, like, an enhancer. Yes. Just so, I, you know, um, um, in a... Um, in a non-conventional sort of thought, these new technologies makes us more human because it gives us more time to do more human stuff than, you know, the soul-sucking, repetitive, robotic yeah, stuff. Yeah. Which I think should be like the, you know, it is like the right trend. All of the robotic, soulless, emotionless stuff should go to the robots. And the human should... And assist humans. Yeah, so. yeah, and assist humans to become like more creative, more innovative. Like, yeah. It's funny because I had this like recent um, conversation with an Uber driver, of all people. And then telling me like how... conversations with Uber drivers. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just because we were talking about like how technology and yeah. people think. Like, I was talking to this Uber driver, you know, just telling me that robots are taking over and taking all of our jobs. And, then, and that, for example, in his case, being an Uber driver... He fears that he's going to be replaced by an autonomous vehicle in, in the future. And I'm like, um, I I don't I mean, I don't know what's coming, but what I know, like looking at history, is that jobs just evolve. They just change. They don't go away. Jobs don't go away. I mean, a hundred years back, like in Henry Ford and everything, you know, 
we don't we didn't fear for the horse drawn carriage drivers or like for example we, we we didn't know that there's a job called an Uber driver in a hundred years, you know, during that time when horses were the thing. Mm. So it's not that, you know, you, you, and then there were no IT job fifty or seventy five years ago. But the internet didn't exist. And the internet didn't exist. And then now it's one of those industries that actually employs, you know, the most people. One of these like major industries that employs people. So um for me it's just like, you know, jobs there's always something to do because there's always something. So we're in Manila. At a uni, first year in Manila. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. So well, what I focus on there is more of like um, Manila, that that port in Manila is undergoing a transition. Yeah. Um, a big change from a gov- from the government running it to like a private company sure. leasing it and running it. So it's more of like changing just the way people operate. Yeah. You know, and this is my first brush with friction of like just people yeah people just plain resistant to change so you know just like looping back to our conversation with technology and everything and this is not even like technology like AI this is more like technology in the sense of like using you know spreadsheet or even like an ERP or a terminal operating system Mm -hmm. and you know logbooks and everything and also you know from the operations side you know from from the stevedore side, you even have like ships operating with their own cranes using hooks and chains, yeah, um, and spreaders and forklifts um, being lifted uh, by the ship's cranes. Whereas you know the usual expectation standard is like those ships to shore, towering key cranes that you right, see right, right. along the port. So there's lots of changes going on. So you had a yeah, you came in at a really interesting time with the port yeah. because you had to learn like get up to speed of what this thing does, how it actually works. It was sort of like a, yeah, it was exciting because it was sort of like a living museum of like the history of containerized logistics. Right. <laughs> because it's like, at the one side, you got this like, ship's grains, like, yep. dumping stuff, um, ship side. And then you have like, on the other side of the port, this like, newly refurbished container yard. And then you have <laughs> this like, newly shipped key grain. So this contrast. Yeah. Look then, at history, and then the future is in front of you. Yeah, exactly. And that's that. It just, like, just takes a few births away. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's, it's mind-boggling. And then the way I talk about, like, when I flew down here to Australia and actually talked to, like, people in the port, when I actually talk about hooks and chains and slings and, like, ship skirts, and they were like, oh, that was, like, like you know, 20 years ago, 25 yeah, yeah, years ago, yeah. and it gives them that, like, hit on the Nostalgia, stuff. yeah. <laughs> like, wow, that was, I didn't realize it was, like, so far back. Like, yeah. you know, people actually say, oh, I was, like, a dog hand when I last saw a ship's grave. <laughs> oh, my God, and like, that's how many years ago. So, but, um, I didn't, you know, it was retrospect. <laughs> it yeah. was a really interesting job. Yeah, um, I worked in there to mostly to um, using my engineering background to improve on the processes. Right. Um, going out there with a stopwatch, getting the standard times. Oh, right, right, and right. documenting like time the procedures time because time there's like, yeah. there was like no procedures, there was right. no standard time, there was no like standard way of doing things. Every everyone in every shipping line is doing their own thing. So it's more of like trying to like tame that scape. Yeah, because the standardization is, is absolutely brilliant. We company I used to work for, it was so well done, the standardization between the 
between their sites was so good, you could send operators between one site and another, and they could fit in perfectly, including the ARP system. Mm. It was the same for every single site. It was great. It was re- yeah. really brilliant. We had a, a couple of situations where that became really important, and it you know it saved us because the, the processes were so, you know, for, even from an executive level, they were, especially from the executive level, they were pushed down, going, no, make this fucking same everywhere. All right, otherwise you get your head kicked in. And <laughs> but it actually worked. Like in a in a in a in a High pressure situation. These processes. Perform. Oh yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah, it gave you like one of those like first like wake up calls. Like fresh out of uni, I'm like yeah. I'm going to like smash it, and we're going to implement all of these like standard processes, and everyone's gonna like it. No, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you're, you're dealing with the one variable that, there, that, yeah. that people, you know, yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I used to. I, it's, it's so funny. Like when I um when I was when I was working at um at, at my first job as well. Um, I was obsessed with the whole concept of creating the perfect process. And thinking, I had a similar <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. I must be an engineer. I don't know if it's an engineer. I'm not an engineer, though. You may as well be. <laughs> but um, it's it's funny as well how you had that experience, but you know, you studied in, um, was it, sorry, was it industrial engineering? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did civil engineering, but I think the one thing that underpins engineers and, and, and what logisticians. What am I doing? I'm sitting in a room full of engineers. And logisticians <laughs> as well, um, is that, that we're, when we're kind of naturally looking at how you can improve things mm. and, and, and processes are obviously one of those things that, that we, we kind of find and, and we look at them, we can analyze them and go, how do we improve these things? Um, and I just, I find it quite funny how, you know, I don't know if it's something that happens when you start your career, but you kind of come in and you go, well, it's all about the process, right? Because if we can have the perfect process, we'll be able to deliver the perfect product, the highest quality, all the fastest, time. all the time, the customer will be super happy. And then you go in and you're like, okay, guys, why don't we just create the perfect process? And then you realize that it's not a case of creating a perfect process because you've got these people everywhere that have different motivations. Different, different, well, everyone has a different version different, of perfect. And yeah. everyone has a different version. So you're dealing with people's um, opinions of, of the way things are meant to be. And and that's the thing that I find fascinating about the industry. Yeah, it's look the, the process is absolutely paramount to it. In the in the you put it in context, right? You know, you were working for a port company that, that did port operations, right? So that is someone's manufacturing something and they're sending it to another country, or they're bringing it in from another country and then you have to get it into yeah, Manila and yeah. redistribute it, right? That's the logistics component of it. And then you're looking at it from a, well, not driving the truck, delivering it from the port to the customer or from the from the supplier to the port. You're looking at it from, I'm in the port and I'm looking at the process of, you know, how do we unload more efficiently? Why isn't it standardized? And then it goes back to, all right, if everybody is on the same page as to this is the process, it's sequence one to 10 and these are the steps, it's easier to manage that process, right? As a manager, it's, it becomes a lot easier to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But no, what you're saying, Jesse, is true. It's, um, for various reasons, and it's not just, I, I think it's wrong to blame people and go, I, don't, I know that's not what you're trying to do, but to say it's, oh, people just being stubborn and they don't want to change, it's wrong. Because if you look at, uh, like, look, take even the most oh. basic warehouse, right? <laughs> you want to give them a standard process, look at their customer profiles. They've got 10 different customers, all which want different things. You can maybe standardize the process to a degree, but there's still going to be steps and nuances where, all right, they want their invoices sent by email, fax, and bloody text them that they've got a notification. The other guys just want an EDI. You don't have to do anything. These guys want a fax only. These guys want email. Like, it's all different. Look, so there are really, differences always. Look, there's this really interesting friction between um, businesses wanting to have stability in processes so that people can 
actually so it can be managed you know, so, 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 so that things can be managed and you can have KPIs and it's all computer over and all that um, but the, that that the, the, the friction around that right with what the customer is actually demanding right is this really really interesting thing and with technology now and with the fact that you know um, people are expecting things faster quicker they want it when they want it where they want it how return they want whenever it, they want return it. whenever they want this puts so much strain on the business and so Having a super standardized model, right, is, is difficult to manage when you've got all these very vari- all this variation from from what customers are actually wanting. Mm. So, I mean, as a, as a business, right, you want to you want to create that stability for your workers, and, and, and you want to be able to actually um, have that base where you know what's going to happen. But that's changing really, really quickly. As it's harder to forecast, basically, is what you're saying. It's well, harder to me, forecast what you need. Yeah, I, I think for me, like you know the. I, I had to learn quickly yeah. uh, that there has to be like being the guy sitting in the middle of management yeah. and mm-hmm. the front line. Everyone hates you. Management wants yeah. you to get the job done and the workers well, hate you because they think you're yeah. going to screw well, if you're, if you're out of, <laughs> I've been in that situation. If you're, out of uni, if you're out of uni, you usually agree with the management. Mm. You usually speak the same language. Yeah. Because you usually... But that manage. doesn't work with the workers. Yeah, yeah. But Absolutely. that doesn't work with the workers. Yeah, become a so, translator basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have to be like a translator, and in the end, I, um, you know, I just find that um, the people in the front lines should have like more say in it because they're the ones that are gonna do it in the end. And there's another reason why I 100% agree, and but there's more to it than that. There's also uh, to build on top of what you said. It's the workers in the front line. They're the ones that actually have to interact with this dream process that we've conjured, right? But here's the thing. We'll look at a process, like let's let look at it from a, from a process engineering perspective. You'll look at a process and you'll go, all right, I've done my analysis and that this new process is significantly more efficient. But the fact of the matter is the people that do this day in, day out all the time, they have so much more insight as to why that machine only works on Thursdays versus Fridays. Like, yeah, they've got so much, such a breadth of knowledge and all the analysis work that I had to do in the past is literally I don't need to do much. I just need to translate what these people already know and then figure out a way for management to actually listen to it because they're the ones that sort of seem to, to create make it, this like, wall. Yeah, it's very insightful. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah in, it's because they, you know, you would be surprised to find that they already actually made their own systems. They made their own yeah, systems. it's amazing. The divide between what managers thinks happening and what's actually happening is is, oh, is amazing. Yeah. But the amazing thing that I've found is, granted, it's not a it's not like a universal truth or anything like that. But what I've quite often seen is. People will work as efficiently as they can because people don't want to do more than they have to. Like, why? Why the hell would you want to stay? Why would you want to stay back at work, sort of thing, right? If you if you if you don't have to, why would you do that? You go home, have a beer, and relax, right? So people work as efficiently as the infrastructure allows them to. But if you're if you're wrapping machine, if you're flow wrapper or your pallet wrapper shits itself, well, Which no wonder. Like but what day. are they going to do? They're going to wrap it as fast as they can, but they can only work as fast as the facility currently allows them to. So in in you know in, there are situations I've seen where yeah this is what they have access to this is what they can work with and this is the best they can do with with those resources so if you want to improve listen to what is already being suggested because eighty percent of your improvements are going to come from the ground floor and I think that's you know just again another tangent from this I think this is where the new technology can come in mm. and actually like lessen that friction between management and frontline because like yeah. there are some things that are important to management to see. But you know the people in the front line just don't see the point. Why mm. am I making doing these extra steps yeah. to input some more information that doesn't really add to the operations? Yeah. But you know 
in the long run, in the in the bigger scope of things, would would be needed as like there's a trust. There's a trust base there. So, um, I think that's where their technology, like for example, IoT, can come in yeah. and make that frictionless and like, hey, frontline, you don't have to record this or log this in your logbook bit mm-hmm. by bit every single detail. Yeah, it and works. It works both ways. For for a manager that says, I've got the visibility to know what my resource is doing, and from a, from a frontline worker's perspective, it goes, well, I know where this information is being sent. I know what it contributes to, so I don't mind filling it in, these extra steps, because it contributes to an overall mm. aggregate process, which is better, and if, I can, if the whole process is completed correctly, well, then less orders are screwed up, the perfect order is completed, and the customer is consistently happy, because they have give visibility to all these things that people don't see, and then if you don't see it, you don't really understand why you have to do it. That's 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 well that's that's how you sell it, and yeah. you know people people actually love to see progress in what. But you know there are people who get who are really excited to hear from you in your monthly absolutely. report and see if have have we met the target this yeah or have, did we do better this month than last month? We have gotten off topic again, and we're running just slightly out of time. Like <laughs> but we don't want to. We don't want to. You know. if, look, if we if there was one thing that we could manufacture. And manufacture fucking flawlessly, it would be tangents. Oh, mate, we could. I've told you this before. If we did like a. We, if we locked ourselves in a room and just started talking. What do you mean that's what we're doing right now? Well, like for like I mean, a marathon this, talking this session. No, it's not like. I don't want to be in a locked room, Jesse. <laughs> not with. <laughs> you're starting to worry. All right? <laughs> just checking. <laughs> we need to get back to bed. We need. We, we need we're, we're at the port. Where are we next? Give us the, the yeah. next step. Yeah, speaking of standardized processes, I flew down here yeah. and joined Ford Australia. Oh, Ford, awesome! Yeah, so I I did vehicle logistics there. It's a completely different environment wherein everything is already standardized, mm-hmm. and then there's like expectations and like documentations and everything. Right, right, right. So, so this then become a question of hold on. My job was putting standardization in place. What do I do now? Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Uh, at first. It, it was very comfortable because it's like a familiar sort of thing. This is what that sort of environment is what what we were trained for. Yeah. Or we were trained to expect. Right, right, right. Like coming in you already you should have already these set right. and so you have you to do continuous improvement. Right, mm-hmm. right. So that's the expectation. So the port gave you like the nitty gritty and then you graduated to Ford where it's okay, this is what my actual engineering degree prepared me for. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of, you were yeah. already doing. You were already doing it. At, yeah, um, I'm already doing it. Port, port, but, it's, yeah. but it's more of like building the process and you know have that feedback loop in place, right, wherein right, right. you start that continuous improvement. Because you've got the structure yeah. already there. Yeah, you just have that extra like bit of like experience on actually building mm. uh, from the ground experience, up. Absolutely, which is very fulfilling. Really. <laughs> yeah. So with Ford, you know, um, you know, it gave me that education on like how how things are get standardized like globally yeah mm-hmm. how something as big as this company managed to like can manage all of these sites in all of these countries yeah because it's a huge huge operation yeah. um you know it's i came in during a very interesting time a very publicized time where they're transitioning from manufacturing to importing that's right mm-hmm. so i was brought in as like an extra resource to actually document the the manufacturing processes and translate it to how it will be in this new business model. Right, um, right. And basically the logistics of transitioning to a, an importing model. Yeah. So whether it's um, 
you know, whether it's tendering for an, for a logistic provider or um, checking the sides or getting the cars out of Brody. Yeah. Um, so all, all of that. So it's again, it's a very interesting time. It's a time where you see like the last territory or the last falcon yeah. roll off the plan, you know, and then everyone's like really uh, emotional and everything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You have all of these people who basically just like grew up and grew old before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's like it's like a time where like everyone really has a connection with the company. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. And again, it's this people aspect that I'm, I was not prepared for. Yeah. It's like, how do you um, get these people transitioning from like a job on the floor, for example, to uh, a job in the office? Mm. Doing, like, um, I, was, I was trying to teach this um, person from the floor doing Kanban yeah. um, mm. and then trying to get her on the basics of Excel. Yeah. and spreadsheets and VLOOKUPs and pivot tables yeah, yeah, yeah. and how them work. For us, you know, probably those who were, um, who have gone through all of this in uni were probably like sick of it already. Yeah. But it's like nice these days, such a day for granted that you actually have people who actually don't know these things. Mm-hmm. They don't know what the hell you're talking about. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, thankfully, you know, my experience for um, interacting with the student was enough to just kind of like prepare me for that yeah. sort of like translation. Yeah, so it was very much, uh, you know, so far you've gone through an engineering degree, but in logistics, you're dealing with not just the numbers, you're dealing a lot with people. It's a, You're very much emphasizing the, the people game of it. Yeah, because that's the part where, you know, no one could have, like, pre- no one in uni could have prepared me for. No, no. I mean, not formally, you know, maybe informally, you know, it, uni teaches you patience and perseverance and everything. Yeah. Mm. Um, but like in the in the sense of like actually doing the change management, it's like actually talking to people, putting everything in context, and mm. like making it easier, more digestible, and then basically just selling. Yeah. So, but you know, coming coming out of that that engineering degree, you're not really expected to sell anything. No. But and then you have to like sell your solutions because if you want to see them. If you um, want to see them, see them in the yeah. field, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So most of it is actually selling. Mm. Um, and part of being the saleability is, of course, the feasibility, but also like you know, getting to understand mm. what's what's in it for them, really. Exactly the value, it's presenting value. You yeah. say you, if you're selling something, you're presenting. Well, why should I do this? And you're explaining that. So, uh, what what was after Ford? Um, Spotless. Spotless. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I'm currently now here in Spotless doing um, procurement. Yep. Um, I'm in group procurement. I am brought here as a resource, as in another more. This is more of like a systems transition. Awesome. That's so cool because you're going uh, port, manufacturing, and then procurement. So you're going through like the range of all the functions of of supply chain. You're seeing it all, the end to end. That's actually well. If if there's anything like planned along all of those three, that it's it's that it's like I plan to like try and taste uh, take off everything. The ball, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so from from transport and now in like supply chain and then I'm now in procurement. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm you know just maybe just like you guys. I'm just trying to figure things out <laughs> and see which chain in the supply chain. Which um, part of it works fits. for me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, 
yeah, and part of that, you know, just having that common thread of like companies in transition. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's probably the most exciting work. It's probably the most challenging as well. One of the hardest things. You know, go, big companies going through yeah. change, small companies, any company going Every through change. Every company An organization no, no, changing. It's, it's almost like there, there is no such thing as, as a company being static. because It shouldn't be. The static ones are usually the ones that fail. The static, static, static companies don't exist. Like, they, they die. Good point. Um, they, yeah. get, they get eaten up by, uh, by other companies or they just perish. Yeah. But um, it, it's interesting that, that, yeah, you started in the ports and, and um, you were working in that really kind of frontline environment then moved over into more of a manufacturing um, context, and now you've kind of gone further back up up the chain yeah. into procurement. Yeah. Sorry, okay, okay. Well, what, 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 are we, what are we looking at from a procurement perspective? What's the, what's yeah. the job looking at now? I, I mixed that up completely, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, for me, for me, it's more of like that analyst support, mm-hmm. uh, like giving uh, the numbers so that our like contract or category managers can negotiate more effectively. Mm-hmm. So that's the main thing. Also, digging through the, all the folios because Spotless has like sites everywhere, mm-hmm. and then it's more of like looking at each site, see where the opportunities lie. Yeah. So it's more of like a more of like a pros- virtual prospecting okay. kind of thing, and then looking for where the the cost savings are, where the um, where all the synergies are, and where oh. you can like. Um, Bunch everything into one bigger deal. So that's quite a technical role. Yeah, I'm just going to just jump in. So just to give some some to create some context for um, for our audience of, of however many fabulous listeners we've listeners we've got, including my parents. And my <laughs> Hello. Um, what what does just describe if you like? What does Spotless actually do? Mm-hmm. And how does your how does the procurement function kind of fit into that? Right. So Spotless is made up of different companies. So there is a, a laundries. There's like a cleaning, there's like a catering arm, there's we have a security services arm, we have an ele- electrical services. They're very services. Yeah, so it's more driven. of like a facilities management. So mm-hmm. there's a building and um, Spotless takes care of it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you have this, uh, like, for example, you have a hospital or you have a school. Can you so, clean my house? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Spotless can do it all. Spotless can do everything. <laughs> And then you I need industrial grade cleaner. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Come on. Right. I've seen it as well. <laughs> so like hoarders level. Mate. So like cat <laughs> <Big> lady. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's more of like we the the value pro- proposal is um, you keep on doing your specialty, and then we'll take care of the rest. It's more so that you can. Focus on, Focus on what on you're your good at. Yeah. Or aspects of, yeah. And it is recently acquired by the Downer Group, which is a rail construction company. Engineering, yeah. Engineering company. And the... Um, Interesting acquisition, yeah. Yeah, and then I think, you know, the um, the general idea was like Downer Builds and Spotless. It's whole of life. Yeah. 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 It's more yeah. of like a one-stop yeah. shop. Thing. Mm-hmm. So whether it's like a train station, for example, or a power plant. You build it and then you operate and own it, maintain yep. it. Yeah, we don't own it, we just like maintain it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, that's it. So Awesome. Uh, we are effectively out of time. But no, that flew. Um 
David, thank you very much for your time. We'll be back Thanks on. Thanks for having us. And the bright, the bright blue that you've got on today. Absolutely. You're putting us all to shame. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for your time. We'll catch up with you again uh, in the near future. We'll see where you're at next. Because obviously it's been a, as all we've seen, it's been a journey through the various different uh, you know, parts of the supply chain and the world as well. So thank you very much for your time. Jesse, we're done. We'll come back next week with someone. Yet another exploration of randomness. Another cliffhanger. We end with another cliffhanger. So Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, for having me. Uh, Thanks for your time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, goodbye. We'll see you next time. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. You've got bed bugs. <laughs> I know. We've got spotless. <laughs> All right, we're done.